Give us a general State of the Union with the 2024 class. We know like four names, four or five names, but let's make sure we think the right people are good. And what are the wide receivers we don't know about? I know it's kind of a weak yeah. running back class. To be real with you, Clay, that State of the Union, and I, I blame I blame this show, I blame Scott for this. <laughs> but honestly, I think that I think the more important thing, and we could talk names, I'm fine talking names, is understanding that it's going to be a valuable class. Like I think that's the real the important part is understanding that because of the quarterbacks, because of some high-end wide receivers and potentially some high-end tight ends that should be drafted early in the NFL draft, this is going to be a coveted class. This might be one of the worst, weakest running back classes that we've seen. God, I'm going back 2015, 20. It's going to be weak. It's going to be a weak running back class, but um, there there's a potential that we get three, four first-round quarterbacks. We get a couple of first-round tight ends, high-end tight ends, and we're probably, if I had to set the over-under right now, out wide receivers drafted in round one. I bet the books would probably set it at five and a half. So it's going to be a valuable class. And I think that's what's really important. And when I think about a class in its totality, the way that I view it, when you think about the quarterback class, think about the 32 teams right now. And how many of those squads are, can you say, are confidently just solidified at that position? And I don't think it's that many, man. So when you start going through the potential players that could fit in round one, that could be paired up with teams, it's going to be strong. Good quarterbacks, good tight ends, and dope wide receivers in the game where we're all chasing the next Puka Nakua's, the next Jamar Chase's. It's going to be a good class, man. The value of 24 picks versus 23. 23, the hype train was was ridiculous. Scott, what do, what do you think is going to happen with the value of 24 picks as we get further along into this season? Well, I think it's going to be another class where, I mean, Ray just nailed it. Like, the problem with this class is it's aligning with exactly the direction of everybody is chasing asset-wise in Dynasty. Like, nobody likes running backs, and now you're going to show me a running back class that I don't even want to say it's the running back class is weak. It's just, I look at next year's running back class and maybe Ray disagrees, but I think it's, you're going to see running backs just like you saw this year. But take this year's class and remove Bijan and maybe remove a guy that's 80% Gibbs. of Gibbs. And then you go next year's running back class is going to look a lot like, hey, this guy went mid-round two. This guy went late round two. This guy went round three. We get a bunch of guys go round three, round four. But really, what do those equate? They equate to, A, they're not going to be valuable assets from a dynasty perspective right off the rip unless they're players people like. But more importantly, they're in situations where people go, they're going to be able to start. They're going to be able to get opportunity right away. Then people will take next year's Braylon Allen and go, yeah, he's going to start. So, okay, he'll probably be a top 20, top 24 running back, just like you're seeing with A-Chain right now. No one necessarily saw him coming, but as soon as he gets opportunity, he jumps up in the running back value range or in the running back ranks to the point where he's worth something. But from a rookie draft perspective, those players that go in those ranges, especially because this class lacks the name, you know, That's it was what's important. That's yeah. when I say it's weak. If I ask Shane, I mean, yeah, I know you're not uh, Debbie God and all this other stuff, but last year, if I asked you to name some names, you would have threw out Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs. Like you knew those names. Yeah. N- nobody knows anybody in this class. Like there, there is no hot name. There's nobody that people want. And that's what I mean by weak. Right. Last year, even the A-chains, people loved him. There are people who were like, man, I, I can't wait for that guy over Isaiah Spiller. The problem with this one is there the guys that people like coming in have either not played or significantly disappointed. And there's no separation. So a lot of people look at it and there's there's no guy. No Rocket Sanders. Travion Henderson's been disappointing. Donovan Edwards has done absolutely nothing. You know, it, the, and, and Trey Benson's been a colossal bust for yeah. what the expectations were cut for him coming in. So by 
weak, I mean weak in market value. There's nobody that people like or that are going to covet now and sure as you go through the pre-draft process, senior bowl, combine, yes, players will, oh, I like that guy, but at th that's liking them like people like Chase Brown, not how they like Bijan Robinson or Jameer Gibbs. There's a world where we get to April and we are looking at this class of we may not because you know what we do we do a bunch of mock drafts from February to April and it's all based on combine and projected draft capital there's going to be mock drafts where people will go I'm not taking a running back in round one none maybe at the very very end but I'll be very comfortable going you know what three or four quarterbacks easy five or six receivers easy a tight end easy I'll start taking the running backs and that's not something we've seen but that correlates perfectly with the current dynasty market who the hell wants a running back that's not starting? Who wants Kendra Miller right now? Sure, I'll buy him for nothing. Who even wants Zach Charbonnet right now? He's getting some touches, but not to the point where somebody goes, I got to have him. He is worth what he is, but really where you see the value is when the opportunity comes. And I think that's what we're going to see is a class that has a bunch of guys that if they get opportunity, people will start selling themselves. But that doesn't equate to, I got to have those 2024 first so I can get the RB1 in the class. The RB1 is just not going to have, it's not going to have the punch that it has in the past couple of years. That's for sure. But we've hated on running backs for a couple of years now, though, even though it was Bijan last year. Everybody was like, well, there's Bijan and there's Gibbs. But after that, it was like, I don't know if I want any of these dudes in the first. What we liked was there was a lot of depth. You know, we still get horny over wide receivers. But the you other positions are going to move the running backs down, is I think the uh, point Ray was making. Like, no, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. The picks will still be valuable, though, because we love yeah. wide receivers. We will hump all over wide receivers. Mm -hmm. like, we'd much <laughs> rather the class be built with wide receivers and quarterbacks and even tight ends than running backs now because we're all scared of running backs because they frighten us. You think it's going to make it difficult to sort of parse out which ones you want? If we get five, six in the first round, you don't want to be the one that has to take the Quentin Johnston of next year's class. So how do you feel about that? Because we're just like, all right, first round ride receiver, I'll dive in. So are there some archetypes or some things that you want to avoid that we've learned from, or at least through four weeks of the NFL season, feel like we've learned from this one? Because you do it right now. You lay out all the receivers right now, first round or not, where's QJ going if we had to redo a rookie draft? Not in the first. You know? We, I mean, and we we drafted him in the first round, the people that did. Well, no, there was a couple people that told me I was stupid, that he was really good. And I was like, he's not. I'm taking him in the first round only because of non-better options. And I'm, I'm going to have one share just to see if any anything to have because he has the first round draft capital but we'll lean on the old metrics the old uh you know the breakout age and the things like that to differentiate them and then obviously as soon as the combine hits whoever runs a quarter of a tenth second faster in the 40 all of a sudden they'll <laughs> be our favorite guy over the guy that we liked for three years in college i just wonder if this is going to be like at the at the end of every first round, and maybe it is always even in the strongest of classes, but is it going to be the type of class where at the end of, you know, once we get to the 106, 107 range, we're already trying to bail to 25 again. That's what I'm always trying to get a beat on because that can determine what we're doing today. We should have always been doing that. We just now have the data that says, yeah, that 109 is probably not worth the value of you potentially getting the 102 or 103 next year. We've always known that. It's just we didn't nearly have the data to support 
report like, hey, that's probably a good bet. Because when I first started playing Dynasty, you were a dummy if you traded away a 108 or a 109 for a future first. It was like, man, I should be able to get next year's future first for the 202, the 203. Why? Because oh, I'm getting a player now. But now that we're smarter about those picks and realize the delta between the 103 and the 109 is massive, way more than the speculation on picking a prospect now, I think that's always been the way you should play it. It doesn't even matter the class. Now, we may get a class where there's more than nine or 10 players that have that value that you could flip for a future first. But I think the biggest thing is how is the class perceived? That's all I care about right now. Yep. If I'm holding three first next year, I don't care if Quentin Johnston type is one of their first round receivers. I don't give a shit about that. I care about what the community thinks of the class. Is the community look at that receiver class and go, man, I watched Ray's last video. He told me there's six dope first round receivers in this class and four first round quarterbacks and Brock Bowers. Like That's all I care about if I'm holding picks. That's what's going to drive what I can move that 110 for versus if it's a bad class. I mean, what could you get for the 110 last year when it was in March? Nothing. You know, the 110 was like, yeah, I don't really like the players after the 107 or 108. So it's really what does the community think where the strengths and weaknesses are in the class? And that buys me, what, six months to move those picks if I'm holding them now versus having to actually make player picks with them. Yeah, it is interesting because if if we already hate running backs and it's not a strong running back class, is that going to make... And basically, the the quarterbacks are going to be spoken for in a super flex. Is that going to make those wide receivers, those top couple, just super, super coveted? We obviously know Marvin Harrison Jr., but you know what I mean? Like the second uh, tier of them, is it going to make them seem to, like even more? To answer Scott's question, I think the community doesn't really know right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows four names. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Brock Bowers. Those Bowers. are the four you hear. And then the next statement is, and then there's a lot of other good wide receivers, and then mm-hmm. Fabian Sanders. So I think those four are holding it up right now. But the names after, I'll tell you right now, Clay, once Keon Coleman goes out there and does his stuff at the at the pro day and combine, I think a lot of people have him as wide receiver too. Malik Neighbors is going to look like a stud. Xavier Worthy is going to be playing deep into the playoffs with Texas. Um, you've got A.D. Mitchell. You've got the receiver from uh, South Carolina that's starting to get a lot of first round buzz. So Roma Dunze from Washington is an incredible receiver. So the, the players are good. They're are good names and the quarterback position with Quinn Ewers, J.J. McCarthy, they're great names. I just think that the community outside of people who really tapped into college or Devi or C2C, I think mm-hmm. people don't really know. Nobody has come out with a strong, this is wide receiver too, because nobody knows. It's like five guys that could be, well, I talk to Jordan Reed all the time and he's like, yeah, I think these next six weeks will be really telling for separating some of these tiers and positions. Do you think over the next six to eight weeks, as we get some more, I don't even want to say clarity, but louder speculation on who's QB3, who's QB4, who's QB5, who's the guy that's legitimately going to declare as a shot to be a first-round pick. Same with the receivers. If you're in a Devi league or you're holding picks and people are already starting in your league going, oh man, that's this 106 next year, I'm going to get Quinn Ewers. Or if you have Quinn Ewers in a Devi league, or if you have you know JJ McCarthy in a Devi league, if, if you have these players, is that the window to start moving off of them when the speculation is at its peak? Like I'll definitively say between Quinn Quinn Ewers, Shador Sanders, J.J. McCarthy, at least one of those guys has zero shot of being relevant in Dynasty. Probably one of the others has no shot of being in next year's class. Yet all three right now, if people had them in Devi Leagues, they'd be valued as like a first round pick. You know, you could go get, I don't know, insert wide receiver 
22 for one of them just because this person thinks that is the next NFL first round QB. You go get Brandon Ayuk for one of them potentially. Like, are you always selling in this like speculation window where everybody's a potential first round QB, everybody's a potential top 50 receiver when the reality is there's 10 players per rookie draft that really truly get those capital? I'll say that's probably what we should do and it's easier said than done. It's very easy to sit here right now and say, oh yeah, sell Quinn Ewers and JJ McCarthy until you're rostering them and then I send you an offer and you're like, ah, well, I don't really want to do that right now. That's not a move that I need to make now. Do Is it probably the prudent move? Absolutely. It's so difficult to, to actually be good in the NFL. It's a very hard thing to do as talented as some of these players are. It's very interesting that we sit back and we look at players right now like a Justin Fields or a Kenny Pickett and, or a Trey Lance and, and how could this happen? He's so good and all this. You know how many first round quarterbacks come in and don't do shit? Like it happens yeah. every year. Right. It's all the time. Quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Again, we talk about a lot of things, a lot of strategy, a lot of theory, a lot of uh, you know process. But when 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 your process is put to the test and the offers in your inbox or you've got to make the deal, it's just do you have the discipline to get it done? It's a lot easier said than done. And those people who are holding the Quinn Ewers and the Drake Mays, knowing that that asset could be a zero, you know, it's trying to figure out what they would sell for. Like what motivates them to open the door to say, let's get this deal done. I want to hope and hit the big guy. I want to hit the big play, you know? The hope that you're getting Patrick Mahomes is more enticing than the the, the fear that you're getting Brady Quinn. Like, it just is, mm -hmm. you know? Or even knowing that you'll get Kirk Cousins. Like, well, it could be Patrick Mahomes or it could be Brady Quinn. I'll take the risk.